All right, everybody, break your Bibles out. Turn to Proverbs. We're going to be in Proverbs 16 today, looking at wisdom and decision making. We're going to be reading the first four verses together, although we will look at other scripture verses together today. Um, a little bird just told me that Dick and Bonnie Thompson are celebrating their 45th, say 45, wedding anniversary tomorrow. Check them out. That's a long time. Think about, think about it. Almost all of you in this room haven't even lived that long. And they've been married that long, had kids that have grown and had other kids, and, and here they are. Uh, we're, we're praying for more people like them in our church. Not that I don't love you young people, but you think you know everything. <laughs> and the older people, myself included, <laughs> we know that you don't know everything. <laughs> Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's uh, a couple of Bibles stacked underneath your chair uh, down the center aisle. We would be glad for you to use that as we're working through the Scripture today. And uh, you can take it with you and keep it if you need a Bible. Let's read these verses together. Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 4. The plans of the heart belong to man. Read it out loud. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the gathering of your church, and we thank you for your word. Uh, God, we pray that uh, we, would, uh, we would heed the wisdom of the book of Proverbs as Solomon is laying, at, laying it out for his, his sons, but also for us. And especially as we think about making decisions, this is one of those things that we do every day, all the time. And uh, for some of us, um, uh, it's one of the hardest things that we ever do. And for others of us, we do it in haste, uh, probably not uh, being as wise as we could. And so, Lord, uh, meet us where we are, uh, wherever we are in the uh, the our ability to make decisions and, and help us. We pray that you uh, do that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. So, you know, one of the most important things that you do on a daily basis is make decisions. Uh, and your decisions run the gamut. Think about the big decisions that you, that you might make. What college you're going to go to, um, where you're going to live, what career you might go into, who you're going to marry. But then we also make smaller decisions that when you stack them up, um, really end up being the big decisions in and of themselves because that's, that's really the, the everyday of our life. Think about the, the small decisions that you might make. Which, uh, what clothes you're going to wear. I mean, did it, did it take anybody more than 10 minutes to decide what you're going to wear today? Don't, don't confess that. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it takes me about three minutes at night. Um, what food you're going to eat? <laughs> What you're going to eat, where you're going to eat. If you're the one that cooks dinner at, at, at night at, at your home, sometimes, you know, you can get, it, it can lead you to a quandary of like, man, we just had that yesterday. What am I going to have today? Um, all those small decisions. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is about a, a guy named Paul Tripp. And Paul Tripp says this, life is lived in little moments. And what Paul Tripp means is there are a small number of decisions that can be life-changing. Uh, there are only a few big decisions that you make in your whole entire life. Think about it. 
Um, I named four of them. I would add the day you get married, um, if you would have some um, life-impacting surgery or someone that's close to you in your family that might pass away. Those are the only big decisions that, that you really make in life, and that's only five or six decisions. The rest of the decisions that you make uh, are in the ordinary moments of the day, and they're small decisions. And so, I mean, what am I saying? I'm saying the, the small moments, the small decisions that you make pervade your life. Uh, it's when those small decisions um, pile up on a regular basis that makes them big decisions if you aren't making those decisions wisely. So the question really for us today is how to make wise decisions. And there really are three schools of thought. Uh, one is a hands-off approach. You guys ever heard of the, the Greek myth of Oedipus? Anybody here uh, familiar with your, uh, your Greek uh, mythology? Uh, Oedipus was uh, the son of a king. Uh, he was born uh, to kingly parents. I don't remember their name. I think it was uh, Jacoda and Elias was his, his mom. Uh, there was a prophecy that was issued when Oedipus was born that he would kill his father and marry his mother. And so the father, knowing this prophecy, gave him away, left him out in the desert to, to die. He was uh, rescued by a shepherd. He grew up, and he actually, uh, when he grew up, went to uh, his hometown, the, the town of Thebes, the, the, the nation of Thebes, I guess you'd say. And uh, sure enough, he ended up, uh, not meaningly, but uh, it's, it just happened. He killed his father, and he ended up marrying his mother. And so what happens with Oedipus is he fulfilled the prophecy despite his father's uh, efforts to, to, to not have him do that. And Oedipus himself had found out about the prophecy uh, later in life and, and tried to escape it as well. And so in this view, it says you can make all the decisions in the world, but you can't accept your fate. And, so, and perhaps some of you actually believe that life is lived like that, that you can't escape the fate of whatever is predestined for, to happen in your life. Your destiny is predetermined. No matter what you do, you can't avoid that fate. There's a second view. The second view is probably the one that most of us in this room hold. Uh, and it can be summed up in the famous words of the great theologian, Doc, from Back to the Future. You guys remember that movie? It's an older movie, but I think most of you remember it. Here's what Doc said. Your future has not been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it. You make it a good one. And so in this view, what he's saying is everything is up for grabs. And you can determine your own destiny, your own future, your own fate by the choices that you make. There's a third view. And this third view, you may have heard uh, expo been exposed to it in church. And this view is that God has a perfect will for your life. And God's purpose is going to, going to pervade your life. The person you're going to marry, the job that you're supposed to take, and so on. There is a perfect event in each, one, in each area of your life. And if you are able to discern God's will and walk in it, then you're going to be in God's will and have God's perfect purpose come out of your life. It's like hitting the bullseye. Like you're, you got a dart and you're trying to hit, uh, throw that dart so that it hits right snap, snap dab in the middle. Remember the Olympics, they get a 10 um, based upon your ability to discern um, God's will for your life. And here's the, here's, the, here's the issue with that one. A lot of times we do believe that and we say that the Bible sort of suggests that, but then it makes us go through a series of steps like praying, 
reading our Bible fervently to, so that we can discern God's will. You might even do what uh, Gideon did in the book of Ju- uh, Judges. He put fleeces out to God, um, just trying to get God to confirm what he thought he was supposed to do until you sense of, uh, uh, have a sense of peace in your life. And here's what happens in this view. Um, the onus is on you. If you discern what God's will is for you, uh, then you're good. But if you miss it, you not only messed up your life, you messed up probably some other people's lives who are also tangentially involved in you and the decisions that you're going to make. And that brings us to the book of Proverbs. Uh, and here's, what, here's the, the leading question that we need, we need to ask uh, of the book of Proverbs. How in the world are we supposed to make wise decisions, given the life that we live, the world that we live in, and just how hard it is to, to do the right thing? Proverbs is, a, is very helpful, and it's going to give us some very practical guidance when it comes to making decisions. So I want us to look at three things uh, when it comes to uh, making wise decisions. The first is, what's our role? What's our role in making decisions? The second is, what's God's role? And then, um, thirdly, we're going to look at what happens when we sync those two together, our role and God's role. So let's first look at what our role is in making decisions. Proverbs says, it teaches that you have a role in making the decisions of your life. And of course, you probably knew that. Let's look at Proverbs 25, verse 5, 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So this is a monetary example. Um, and what it's practically saying, what it's suggesting is that, that if you rush and scurry into the pursuit of your goals, you're likely going to make a mess of your life if you're in a hurry, if you just rush into something. Think about the decisions that you've made and the ones that you've made without putting some thought into it, without planning a little bit, without strategizing. Then chances are at least half of those things that you just rushed into are going to go astray. I mean, you're not going to end with the goal that you had in mind. You're going to miss it. Rather than acting in haste, wisdom is... Wisdom in decision-making requires planning, and that's what Proverbs, at least in this verse, is is suggesting that we do, that we plan, that we think about what we want to do, put some effort into it, and be diligent about that effort, and then perhaps your plan will succeed. That's the wise thing to do. Two more Proverbs. Proverbs 24.6 says this, For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there's victory. Here's one more. Proverbs 20.18 Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. Here's what the the wisdom of Proverbs is telling us here. These are obviously uh, military war type uh, examples, but they can be applied really to all of your life. He's saying you'd be crazy to go to war without having some kind of plan or strategy. It would be it would be like me taking my, my former battalion and going to the, the forward edge of the battle area all lined up. And then uh, one of my troops comes to me, one of my subordinate commanders comes to me and says, all right, sir, um, the troops are all ready. We're suited up, ready to go, all lined up. What's the plan? And then I come back and tell my subordinate commander, "Um, I don't have a plan yet. We're just going to go wing it. I mean, no army does that, okay? Not even the Air Force does that. (laughs) Gotcha. Think about it. I mean... Not just military units, but you know, Fortune 500 companies, churches, uh, your own life, your own indiv- individual life. 
when you're thinking about doing something that's important, uh, that, you know, that the effect of what you're going to do is going to uh, have a ramification on you or those that you love and know, um, you want to put some plan and strategy behind what you're doing. Not only that, you want to get advice. Okay, a, a, a military unit going to war is going to take into consideration the cultural environment that they're going, going to. They're going to take into consideration um, uh, intelligence that they've got about the unit that they're going to attack on the ground and many other things. I think that's why we have books like The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Um, if you love sports, think about how a football or basketball team goes about the draft. They're looking at their current roster of players and they're thinking about where they are, where they're strong and where they're weak. And they're going to, they're going to uh, go after a, a draft pick that rounds their team out, that makes them, uh, more, uh, makes them better in whatever area that they're weak in. They think the same thing about putting players on the field. Today when you're watching football, I mean, the, the coaches have thought through what players are best fit for uh, what position. And not only that, what players are best fit to, uh, to execute a certain play on the ground against an opponent. So the proverb is saying, you'd be crazy if you did not have a plan. It should involve thinking about your goals, getting advice, thinking about the necessary steps that will lead you to accomplishing your goal. Devising alternatives, dealing with roadblocks, using your imagination to picture the end result. And so, really, when we think about what our role is in decision-making, this is what the Proverbs are suggesting to us, that the human side says you need a plan. And perhaps you've heard that before. Uh, there are some people that would say it's unspiritual to plan, that that for a Christian to put all the effort and not just trust God, that God's going to work it out, would be um, a lack of faith. And I, I, I know, my, my reading of Proverbs says that's stupid. I mean, that you shouldn't do that. Some people would say that we need to go through all kinds of spiritual exercises to determine God's will. And whereas, I mean, we're told to discern God's will uh, as he's laid it out in the Bible, but the Proverbs would say, ah, no, you don't need to spend an inordinate amount of time trying to discern God's will. You need to use your brain. You need to plan. You need to seek good advice. You need to make good decisions. You need to be diligent about it. So you should be planning for your future. That's the human side of decision-making. Proverbs doesn't stop there, though. It teaches that you have a role in your decision-making, but it also teaches that God has a role. And here's God's role. And this leads us to our text. Proverbs 16, verse 1 and 2. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. What this means is that we can plan, but God gets a vote. And that should be encouraging to you. You can go about your, the method that you would use within the resources that you have to decide what you're supposed to do, but in the end, there's another side to all the decisions that you're making, and the other side uh, is God and his sovereignty and his purpose for you and your life. And that comforts me, because I've done some stupid things. I've, I've not planned wisely in many uh, areas of my life, and thank God that God gets a vote. Here's the thing. Sometimes God just has a different he has a different plan in mind than your plan. You ever like run across that? Like, I, I know I'm supposed to do this. 
and then God comes and orchestrates something completely different. And that really is kind of what the first verse is saying here. Verse 1, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And that really is the example of, say, you've planned to meet with someone and discuss something. You plan it out. I mean, you plan out the very words that you're going to say because, you, I mean, you sort of want to get your point across to this other person. And as soon as you start speaking, something else comes out of your mouth. He's like, where'd that come from? Ever, has that ever happened to any of you? That the words that you intended to say did not come out. And I'm not saying that, um, that absolutely that was God. But a lot of times when, you're say, when you intend to say something and something else comes out, God may be involved in that. That's what that first verse is saying. You can plan all you want, but if God wants you to say something different, then you're going to say something different. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. You can plan all that you want, but if God wants something else to happen, then something else is going to happen. Look at verse 2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. So verse 2 says that God oftentimes sees things completely different than we do. When I make a decision, I think I'm being objective and rational. Like, like I know what I'm doing with my own life. You can't tell me. And usually, uh, we're making the decisions that we make about our life from the perspective of, you know, me, myself, and I. This is what I want. This is what I need. I'm looking at the environment at has how it affects me, and I, that's how I'm going to make my decision. But here's what the second part says. It says, a man thinks all his ways are pure. And this is the reality. I'm not impartial when I'm making a decision. I'm, I'm actually thinking a little bit selfishly. But the proverb tells me that God sees my heart. He knows my motives. The, the words are, he weighs them. And so God understands that I'm oftentimes not making the decisions that I'm making um, without having mixed motives. They're, they're all focused on me and what I want to do. And I think it's the same thing in your life as well. Uh, Welsh pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones famously said, our problem isn't so much our sinful actions as it is the sin that reigns within us. Those are real, those are, I mean, I mean, those are real words. Uh, Jeremiah says it like this in Jeremiah uh, 17, 13. He says, our hearts are deceitfully sick. Um, one version says, wicked. And so our hearts are, are fickle. Sometimes uh, we're true uh, to the God that we serve, and sometimes our hearts are just completely selfish. And, and, and often when you want what you want, your heart, because we live from our heart, the central cause of core of who we are, uh, you're going to do what you and your selfishness want, uh, want to do. Uh, English writer John Bunyan says the same thing. He says this well. There's enough sin in He's speaking about himself. There's enough sin in his best prayer to damn the whole world. Think about your own self. I mean, those are hard words, but this is, this is true of all of us. There's enough on the inside of us to condemn everybody that's outside of us. We're the ones that's right. He says, even on our best days, we're still full of mixed motives and selfish desires and all kinds of things that will corrupt us. We can't make this wise decisions sometimes because our hearts are corrupt and we lack wisdom. Two more Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in, a man, in the mind of a man, 
but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Here, here's this unique tension. I mean, last week we had a tension, uh, and two weeks ago we had a tension, and, and this week we got a tension as well. Uh, we have a role to play when it comes to decisions, but so does God. Our role is to plan and strategize and, and do the best that we can to make the right decision with the resources that we have. But God's role is, is that our purpose would prevail, that his purpose for us would prevail. And this next verse says that even, and especially when things are bad, we should be appreciative that God gets a vote, that what God wants to happen is going to happen. Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Here's what this means. The first part of the verse said that, says that God is in control of everything. He's given everything its purpose. God created it. He knows what it's to be used for, and he purposed it for that. But the second part of the verse says that when wicked people make bad choices, God can even use those wicked people and their bad choices for his own purposes. He can turn their wickedness to be used for good, for you and, and for his world. So we can choose, but God ultimately is the one that, even through bad choices that we make, is going to cause his purposes uh, to prevail. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament, G Genesis 50. Joseph was uh, the son of Jacob. He was the favorite son. His father gave him a coat of many colors. Jacob had a dream. Um, Joseph had a dream. Uh, and there's two different types of dreams, but it basically was um, exalting him above all of his brothers. And he told it to them, and he lacked a lot of humility when he did that. And so uh, Joseph uh, is with his brothers. They stick him in a pit. He's taken and put into slavery. Eventually, he rises to the second in command of all of Egypt. And Joseph has to say this about the evil done to him by his brothers. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And so, I mean, do you see that tension that we have a plan, but God's purpose prevail? There's a tension here that, unfortunately, we can't even, I mean, we can't even resolve this tension. Here's the question. Are we free to make our own choices? What do you think? Say yes or no. Yes. All right. Yes. Are we free to make our own choices? Absolutely. You're not a robot. You're not an automaton. God is not up in the sky. He hasn't lowered strings down, attached them to you, and he's not puppeting you so that you make every decision, only the decisions that he wants you to make. Here's another question. Do your choices really matter? I would say yes. My mouth is dry for some reason. Um, here's a third question. But does God's sovereignty but does God's sovereignty determine the way that things are going to turn out? Absolutely, yes. There's a, there's a technical term for this. It's called uh, antinomy. It's an, uh, it's an apparent uh, contradiction. It's when you have two opposing um, thoughts or things working against each other that, in our eyes, can't be resolved. That they don't seem like they go together, but they actually do. And that really is what's happening here. We have... Uh, the ability to make decisions and make choices with our life. But the Bible tells us that God is involved, that God superintends over us to bring about his purposes in our life for our good, and that both of those act 
perfectly together. And we can't, we can't really explain how that works, but it does. And the way I like to think about this is this, it's not God trying to pin me in and hurt me to like twist my arm to make me do his will. This is the best of both worlds. Uh, because if everything is just your decision, think about how much pressure you're under to get it right. Of, of all the things that you make decisions about, if it's only you uh, making decisions about your life, then there's a lot of pressure. to. I mean, I, I really want to get this right. And you may get stuck just not doing it. The, the other thought is, if, if my decisions don't matter, I might as well stay in bed all day and do nothing. But here's a third thought. If at the same time, I can make decisions and my decisions matter, but God, God also determines the future of my life and he's superintending over me to help me for my good, then, I mean, I'm like resting because I can make a decision knowing that God is going to intervene and, and he's for me, not against me. And that should encourage all of us. That should encourage all of us. Especially when we make bad decisions, especially when um, evil uh, comes out of us or there's uh, evil is coming out of someone else to to pin me in. God is superintending over all that to cause his purposes to happen for all of our lives. This also means that if you want to know God's will for your life and I'm going to pause right here because I'm going to shock some of you all by, by what, I, what I say, you're standing in it. Could you be standing in God's will right now? for your life? Don't, don't answer. It's rhetorical. Think about it. Some of you, some of you in this room right now might, may even think, you know what? I don't like my life too much. Surely God has not put me in the predicament that I'm in. But I would tell you, uh, you're making your decisions. God is, is consistently, if you're a Christian, he's, you know, he's working for your good, conforming you to his, to his image. And perhaps, where you are right now in your life is actually God's will for you. You're standing in the will of God for your life. God's will is not necessarily always something that you discover. Sometimes it's something that God does. God's will is not necessarily all the time something that you got to work and plan and strain and fast and fleece God to discover. Sometimes God's will is what he does, what he's already doing in your life to bring you where you are and all that you're doing. And I know that sounds scary. It sounds scary to me, but I think it's true. God has you right where he wants you to be. So your decisions matter, but God ultimately uses those decisions so that it's his purpose that prevails. He even uses the bad things in your life and the bad people around you to accomplish his purposes. I think that's the Bible. All right, so what happens when we sync these two thoughts together? This is my, this is my third point. Look at, look at verse 3. Commit to the Lord, commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. I think this is one of those verses um, that it seems easy to understand. It actually seems kind of practical, but do we really understand what God is saying here? I don't know if we actually understand what he's saying. Sometimes we just need to slow down when reading the Bible and, and read it again and, and read it again and read it perhaps out loud to ourselves. Let's read this verse out loud. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. There's a couple important words in here. Commit your work to the Lord. The word commit literally means 
to roll, roll away actually. And so what the, what the writer is saying is that we are to roll everything that we do onto the Lord, giving everything to him and keeping nothing back. That means that we have a complete dependence on God. It means you stop relying on yourself, almost like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Does it mean that your understanding is corrupt, that you can't think good thoughts or be wise about some things? No. It just means uh, generally God has greater resources than you do in regards to your life. So trust him over your own instincts. And so we roll everything onto God and keep nothing back. We roll control of our life over to God so that everything you do and who you are is completely committed to him. And I think this is much more than just praying that God will bless what I choose, because that's what that's what we do sometimes. We say, Lord, you know, in Jesus name, um, I'm going to do this, this and this, and I need you to bless it. Amen. I mean, I pray those kind of prayers all the time. And I think you probably do, too. We're not the only ones that do that, though. The original sin involved Adam and Eve um, really rolling their lives, committing themselves to trust in themselves instead of trusting the God that created them. They declared their own independence from God. And as a result, of course, sin ensues and sin spreads through all the world. And because of their original sin, we are born into the same state where we trust ourselves. And the decisions that we make for our life more than we trust the God who made us and knows all. And that really is why God sends Jesus. Jesus comes and lives amongst us as the wisest man, the wisest human that ever lived. And God calls him to live a perfect life, die a death that we deserve, and he raised him on the cross so that Jesus would be the one that makes it possible for us to be reconciled to God. And so it's through Jesus that God has made it possible for us to, to commit our lives back to God. Without Jesus, we can't even do that. And so here's what the Lord encourages us to do, to live our lives once again in submission to the one that's made us. And when this happens, this is what verse 3 is saying to us. He said, God will establish our plans. What does establish mean? It means to make it happen. God is going to, when you commit yourself to the Lord, when you commit, when you roll everything that you have and that you're doing over to God, not holding anything back, then God with that is going to make the thing that you've given to him happen. Those are, that's how those two things work together. And I think when this happens, what it does for us is it takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure off of our role in decision-making, of, of planning, of strategizing, of seeking wise counsel, of doing all those things that you might do to make a simple decision for your life. It takes the pressure off because God now is, is, is in the background helping me in ways that I know and ways that I don't even know. It takes the pressure off. Our decisions matter but we don't bear the weight of them. We roll everything onto God, and he does with us as he pleases. And when you live like that, you don't have to worry about the results because you know you're trusting in a God that actually cares for you. 
He loves you enough to, uh, to, uh, to make your, your goals come to life if it's his will. And so here's, here's how I sum this up. Your decisions matter, but what matters most of all is that you are committed to God. I think that's what the Proverbs are telling us we're supposed to do. Your decisions do matter, but what matters most is that you're committed to God. Because what happens when you're committed to God, that you roll over everything to him? He's going to establish your path. He's going to establish your plans, rather. And there's this balance, the balance of of making decisions. Your decisions matter, but God is sovereign. And, And because God is sovereign, his purpose is going to prevail. It doesn't mean that you're free to make any decision that you want. You should try to make your decisions as, wise, as wisely as you can, putting effort into planning, putting effort into strategizing, putting effort into seeking wise counsel, as it said in the, the military proverbs that we sent. But even the more, yielding yourself to God and his sovereignty, because his purpose for your life is better than any purpose that you could ever have. And when you live like that, what you can do is you can relax. Because you know that God is behind you. God, knowing God, a sovereign God is, is for you and that he can work uh, through your decision, through your indecision, and through your choices to make life work out for you. Amen? I'm done. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that decisions are hard. Sometimes we, make, uh, we, don't, we only make a few big decisions in our lifetime. The rest of those are little moments with a lot of little decisions. And so, Lord, just in your presence right now, we pray for your help. We pray that we would trust you, trust you enough that we would commit our work to you, that we would trust you enough to not lean on our own abilities, our own smartness, our own intellect to to make something happen in our own strength. And that's a scary thing because the sin in us sort of leads us to believe more in ourselves than sometimes we believe in you. And so, Lord, we do, we do pray by the Holy Spirit that you would help us, help us to plan, help us to think through what we're doing, especially in those small moments of every day. And then help us, Lord, to have courage to commit our work to you, that we would roll over everything in our lives to a God that cares for us, that superintends over us for our good, that to bring us into joy. And God, and we pray that you'd establish our plans. Lord, for those here who have big decisions to make and and they haven't, uh, I mean, they're just stuck, just trying to figure out what to do, I pray that you would uh, give them peace, that you would surround, surround them with wise counsel, and God, this, this, this verse, Proverbs 16, 3, would, would echo in their hearts this week. That as we commit our work to the Lord, you will establish our plans. And then God, give them rest. Help them to rest in, um, in knowing and trusting in the God that loves them. I pray this in Jesus' name.